I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle introduce each other to films, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of December 2020, and we are in the midst of Kyle's Brutal Christmas. Um, essentially, what this has been is a month-long event wherein Kyle has been making all the programming decisions from week to week. And uh, in case you couldn't figure it out, uh, all of these movies have been holiday and or Christmas related and have been brutal mm. in nature. Uh, so, Kyle, this week, uh, what, what movie did you select for us to watch? Uh, this week I chose a mutual catching up, which is The Wolf of Snow Hollow from 2020, uh, written by D- Jim Cummings, directed by Jim Cummings, and uh, starring Jim Cummings. Uh, yeah, I chose this because I've I been jonesing for a good werewolf movie, and they're really hard to come by these days. And I'm like, oh, a new, like a 2020 uh, a werewolf movie. I'm like, alright, let's try it out. It's supposed to be taking place around Christmas time, or at least in the snow, which is close enough for me. And I was expecting it to be Kind of a kind of like the void with practical effects, except with like gore. I was expecting it to be kind of a like a gory, uh, gory little horror movie, like little indie kind of thing going on. There wasn't a lot of big name people in it, um, and actually, it wasn't uh, brutal. It was brutally funny. Uh, this is actually kind of a surprise for both of us. Uh, when in this thing, there was going to be a little bit of a horror comedy. It's just a straight up comedy. Yeah, actually, that was a big surprise because I can't remember if I sent it to you, but um, I actually saw the trailer for this um, a while back, and I, I, I want to say I did send it to you, and what I remember from that trailer was that it put a strong emphasis on the horror aspect. Yeah. Like, it, the way that trailer is cut together is in a very traditional horror fashion, um, and that is certainly not what the film actually is. Um, at the time, one of the things that jumped out at me, because... Uh, Spoiler alert, Jim Cummings has exactly two films under his belt at this point. He His name meant nothing to me other than me raising an eyebrow and thinking, Tigger from from Winnie the Pooh? Because uh, <laughs> it just so happens there's an yeah, actor, a voice actor, who's uh, also a.k.a. Disney's bitch. Um, <laughs> basically, if it's a Disney animated property, Jim Cummings is in the in the voice cast. Yeah. But I thought it was him for a second. I was like, hang on, he's making horror movies now? What the fuck happened? Um, but the one thing that jumped out to me in the promotional materials was uh, Robert Forster's name was in the cast and uh, I think around the time the trailers were coming out he had already passed away uh, so I took this to be probably his last film mm-hmm. um, and, and in fact the film uh, in the ending credits is dedicated to him um, but yeah this was quite the surprise um, not just in terms of quality but in terms of just the overall tone i really wasn't expecting this to be a straight up just like dark comedy mm-hmm. and it absolutely is more of a comedy than a horror film that's for sure yeah it, i was trying to figure out what i'd seen robert forster in i looked at his imdb and it's like <laughs> like it's just it's just a bunch of stuff um, I remember him most notably as the uh, chief of police for me, myself, and Irene. I was going through, and I'm like, oh, he's the, he's the chief. I remember him. Um, yeah, I was really surprised by this movie. Uh, yeah, Jim Cummings, I was trying to see, like, he he's just a handsome white guy, and I thought maybe I'd seen him in something, but, like, he, I, I didn't recognize him from anything. Um, what is it, Ricky Lindholm? She's uh, Officer Dobson. Uh She's Hall and or Oates. I'm not sure. Or, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Garfunkel. She's Garfunkel and or Oates. She's from Garfunkel and Oates. Um, and then the Life According to Jimmy guy, Jimmy something. Um, 
he's just a YouTube guy, but he's made his, <laughs> he's, he's made his way into movies. And then, oh man, there's just a cast of nobody dudes playing these detectives, like these other officers. They're all great. Uh, they're all pretty great. Yeah, from top to bottom, actually, it's kind of neat that this is a, a $2 million, like definitely kind of an indie film. It has that vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And yet there's there's not like a weak part of the cast like everyone including like the teenagers like the teenage daughter and her her teenage boy hookup or whatever they were fine as actors and that tells you that somebody was really paying attention in the casting process and really took the time to get the right people for for all these roles and it was kind of neat seeing that because i I was expecting i was expecting a weak link to like rear its ugly head at some point nothing um i don't know what that says about me but the whole time (laughs) i was watching the no i I was like looking for for weak spots and i basically never found them uh which was very refreshing but the whole time i'm watching it and i'm looking for like like flimsy production values or weak performances and the whole time it's like wow i'm really not finding it (laughs) that's kind of neat um and including jim cummings like i he really impressed me because like i said he only has two features under his belt but if you peruse his imdb it's a it's actually kind of cool because he has credits in like literally every aspect of film production it's really remarkable like this is a guy who's trying to like do like a robert rodriguez kind of thing or something where he's trying to wear all the hats mm. like i'm sure he was involved in catering at some point probably to save a buck <laughs> <laughs> um, but um i mean for fuck's sake he's even listed on the credits for captain america winter soldier as a visual effects production assistant no kidding what the fuck does that have to do with anything else like what the fuck does that have to do with writing and directing and acting but apparently he has interest in just all of film production so he's tried his hand at everything so you can tell that i don't know this is this is something that's really important to him and it it translates to his filmmaking as well because um as i was telling you before we recorded a lot of this feels very handcrafted Mm -hmm. Um, and what i mean by that is a lot of the the cuts and a lot of the camera movements and more importantly the dialogue Mm -hmm. um feel very intentional it like actually i was a little bit critical in his very first scene because it's a very good scene um, but the way his dialogue is delivered, he has a very unique delivery, and it felt almost like a soliloquy from a play. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was I was starting to get worried at that point, um, but it becomes more naturalistic as you get into it. You just have to like acclimate to his peculiar delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, it doesn't feel like a Joss Whedon production where everybody sounds like Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, thankfully, it's like, no, that's just him and his character. Um, but yeah, just everything about like the way the camera moves and the way the dialogue is delivered and even the soundtrack, there's a couple of parts where the soundtrack like dips out for comedic effect and you can tell that the director and the slash writer slash actor was very keen on like hitting that moment just right, like getting the timing just right to, cause you know, like 80% of comedy is timing. Um, and in hit, in this case, it, it works more than it fails, that's for sure. The timing is just on point. And there's one in particular uh, scene where the four cops are sitting at the diner just having a conversation. I'm like, I kind of wish you had these four dipshits a little more often because they're all fucking great and they're just playing off of each other. It actually felt kind of like that scene from Wolf of Wall Street where they're just like improving about the little person. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned Joss Whedon. I'm sorry, but there's a... There's a awesome joke from community where this cop is asking all the people around the table is like, you guys excited for avengers excited for avengers 
And if you, I'm sure you know the Russo brothers are big are big on community, and they're also a big part of the MCU now. Uh, but the cop mentions he's like, "Here, Joss Whedon got really hands on this time. What could go wrong with that?" <laughs> Just a perfect little little throwaway joke for every like for for four fucking people watching Community at that time. Uh, Ooh, man, that that uh, that's cutting, right? <laughs> Damn, that's catty. Uh, so yeah, Trevor and I are at the top. I'm like, I don't know how we're gonna go through this because I was expecting more movie, and it's I mean, <laughs> like there was like more of a movie for us to talk about, but. It's it's like us trying to go through knocked up almost. I'm like it's just it's just funny. Like we would just be talking about the jokes. But I'm not sure how this is gonna play out. Uh, but yeah, him him at that AA meeting at the beginning is just fucking brilliant. Um, well, yeah. B- b- before we get into it, um, I'm, I'm gonna skip the line and I'm actually gonna uh, just read the plot summary. There you go. Um, normally Kyle does this, yeah. but I have it right in front of me, so I figure I'll just do it. Um, Sorry for not doing this earlier, but uh, our basic premise for The Wolf of Snow Hollow, written, directed, and starring Jim Cummings, uh, is a sheriff's deputy begins to break down from the stress of investigating a series of brutal murders of women in his sleepy ski community. The evidence seems to point to something supernatural, a werewolf attacking and devouring its victims. Uh, That is what the movie's about. But it's not what the movie's about. <laughs> the The real story, um, and again, this is catching up on cinema, so we're going to be more than likely dropping spoilers left and right. Yeah, don't don't listen to this if you want to watch the movie. Just stop listening and go watch it. Yeah, by all means, uh, if you have any interest in what you've heard so far, uh, check out The Wolf of Snow Hollow. It is quite fun. It's a very solid film. I would certainly recommend it. Mm-hmm. But um, the real story is about Jim Cummings' sheriff's deputy character having a really shit time and not handling it well. You know? <laughs> it's it's just kind of about him being really fucking stressed out. And you just get to watch all the shenanigans that unfold when uh, he has the whole weight of the world bearing down on him and he doesn't handle it as well as you know your traditional hero cop would. Yeah, he's not a hero cop. No, <laughs> no. I guess he's a sheriff's deputy, and his father is actually the sheriff, and he's act like he's on his way out. Like he's just really old and not doing so well health wise. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a really neat aspect of the storytelling that I couldn't tell in the early goings how much of a part it was going to play in the proceedings, but I'm glad that they they gave it its due because it's some it's actually some weighty shit mm-hmm. that. Uh, you could argue maybe the movie doesn't handle it as well as it could have, but who knows? Maybe Robert Forrester actually pa- passed away during production. I was thinking because that, possibly. He, when he makes his exit, uh, spoiler alert, he makes his exit, um, uh, it's very sudden, and the movie kind of feels like it has to do like a, a Princess Leia kind of thing and kind of figure mm-hmm. its way out. Like It feels like maybe there was an additional scene or something intended, but um, what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is uh, right from the get-go, it's clear that Robert Forster's character, the sheriff, is not in the best of health. Um, but then several scenes later, it's revealed that he is Jim Cummings' character's father. Um, and the health concerns become like an actual legitimate concern. Where it's like the way they talk to each other is like a frustrated, like petulant little boy mm-hmm. and his dad. Um, but when you really think about what's going on, it's like it's his dad. And he's worried that he's going to die. Yeah. And he's trying to get him to stop coming into work because he's dying. And I, this translates to, like, 
influencing all of his nasty outbursts and stuff later in, in the film. Where, mm-hmm. like, I mean, the guy's already an alcoholic. The very first scene we see him in, he's at an AA meeting, um, and it just intensifies and reaches its peak after his father passes away. But I liked that they kept they kept that going, where it's like, you know, like, I know this is a funny movie, but at the same time, remember that, you know, in real life, this does happen, and sometimes stress manifests in really strange ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in this case, you know, Sometimes that involves getting blackout drunk and uh, breaking your uh, your oven door. <laughs> hearty laugh at that. That was really. Good that was laugh pretty. That. that was uh, very precisely choreographed. I mm. really like that bit. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, the other thing is, is he's. I don't know how recently divorced, but whatever, however long it's been, it's not over. Like it, the <laughs> the tension is still there, and it does not seem to be going anywhere. Oh yeah, in that opening AA sequence, um, which, by the way, is is very much a uh, it's like an actor's reel moment um, mm. because it's just like a slow pull out. So we start out like zoomed in on the on again the writer director star. Mm-hmm. So this this man more than likely has an ego. He he is a tall handsome white man yeah. <laughs> in Hollywood, but the camera pulls back and it's just it's all done in one take and it's like I said it feels like a soliloquy from a play and I. Uh, his delivery was really tripping me up here um, because it feels rehearsed. But then, like, in retrospect, and I, this didn't click until, like, just now because I actually have the movie open, like, right in front of me right now. It didn't click to me until just now, but I think that was intentional. Yeah. Because he's at an AA meeting and he's been doing this every week for yeah. God knows how long. For six years, I think he said. Yeah, it's and rehearsed. it's like, oh, no wonder it's no wonder he's able to rattle off these these like really complex speeches so quickly it's because he's done it before many times <laughs> is he like six years on the wagon it's i think he said he's been i think it's like six years and then three years actually sober yeah and he's been coming to these meetings for six years three years actually sober so yeah, the, yeah. i i took that as that um i i wasn't sure what to make of him yet like like how his character was gonna be but just him like dropping those little like thought about like just renting like a trailer and just like driving it into my ex-wife's house not to hurt her or anything just like kind of a cry for help kind of thing yeah just to just to let the everyone know that i'm here <laughs> which um, is so fucking weird it's so depressing and weird but like the way we segue into that though is is so it's so sharp where like he starts out and he's just like talking and he sounds very pleasant and then he's like oh my wife yeah. and then he says he lets out this very deliberate woof Oof. It's like that's that's where the rehearsed part comes in, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, I can't say a bad word about her." And he's like, then he like drops an f bomb <laughs> at some point, and then he talks about it. running a fucking backhoe through her house. It's like, okay, we're off script now. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Catherine O'Hara just like dropping dropping her baggage on, in Orange County, and she's just like, "Eh, eh, my ex husband uh, left me for a tennis instructor." Like nobody fucking asked, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, there's so many subtle bits of comedy in this movie that Kyle and I are absolutely not going to be able to get into all of it. In fact, there's a lot of this movie no. that we're just not going to be able to get into. Um, but I did love the the little bit about, um, I think he said he brought cookies or something, or somebody brought cookies. Yeah. And then the moment Dale he says that, some, yeah. Yeah, somebody crosses in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and he just interrupts himself, and he's like, yeah, go ahead and get into him right now. And you can tell, like, you can just see it on his face that what he's saying is like, He's trying to be nice, but he's actually kind of irked by that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that happens so many times in this movie where there's like a recurring gag of people 
trying to say things under their breath and then everyone hears it <laughs> it's like yeah. those are the those are seemingly the things that carry the most weight it's those little snips here and there that people don't think you can hear but you hear them and in fact that's actually how we end the film is one of those I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but he's he's kind of got Asperger's a little bit. Like he doesn't know, he just kind of he doesn't know when to stop. At some points, like he just kind of he's just socially awkward, and it's just like you could try not being a dick right now, and he just it does not even he doesn't realize that he's being an asshole. Okay, so not to completely derail us, not that we're on the rails to begin with, but um, one thing that I I had a lot of fun um, trying to dissect was I. Who does this guy remind you of? Um, because the whole time I, I kept making comparisons and I was having so much fun just like picking people out of the air that he reminded me of. Um, not his his comedy so much. He reminds me of uh, you saw um, you saw never back down right. Uh, no, I oh. I only saw the uh, parking lot fight at the end. I've seen the sequels starring Michael Jai White. Oh, not the original blonde guy, the parking guy, the parking lot guy. For some reason, he just reminded me of him a little bit, just in the face. Okay, well, let me let me try to blow your mind here, Kyle, because okay. I, I have like a short list of ones that came to mind, and I was like I said, I was having so much fun just like thinking of myself, like man, he like I feel like he had to have seen this or he had to have known he was doing this. Uh, so number one, uh, Jim Carrey in the Cable Guy. Oh, I can see uh, that. Like de-emphasize the lisp. The but hair. just think about the way he says his words and the way he kind of like hangs his chin out there a little bit. I can see that. He's like, hey, Steven. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. And uh, on that same note, again, mostly just delivery, not like posture or even his looks especially, but uh, Bill Murray and Caddyshack. I can see that Again, kind of that, that little bit of a dopey guy, which you know, think, thinks thinks pretty highly of himself, you know. Yeah. Only behind closed doors, you know. I'm not gonna say this in front of your face. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I can see that a little. Um, bit. A little bit of Lloyd Braun from the Seinfeld. <laughs> which one's Lloyd um, Braun? Lloyd Braun is the one who uh, the Serenity Now guy, uh, the one that uh, George Costanza's parents absolutely loved. They oh. always wanted George to be more like him, and then uh, it was revealed much later. That Lloyd Braun lost his mind <laughs> due to stress. <laughs> you just Jerry Stiller just popped in my head and that made me happy. Uh, I, that's always a happy thing to pop into your mind, isn't it? <laughs> I'm afraid of the radiation. Yeah. <laughs> that woman from the bus. The woman from the bus. I was watching that movie with that woman from the bus. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. I just saw, I was scrolling through Hulu the other day and the net came up and I, <laughs> I just started laughing. The, uh, where they take the babka, I think it's the babka bread or whatever it is, they take it over and... Cinnamon the, babka. The cinnamon babka and then they don't slice it up. I'm like, well, we'll take it back. I mean, because they didn't, they didn't slice it up. Like, yeah. You, you took it back with you? He's like, yeah, they didn't use it. They didn't use it. <laughs> Lesser babka. <laughs> uh, and the last one uh, that comes to mind right now anyway is uh, David Byrne from The Talking Heads and Anthony Perkins. Um, so that would be uh, Norman Bates from Psycho. There we go. That's who it is. Correct. There you go. Anthony Perkins. I think he looks a lot like him. I'm like, I had somebody in mind. I'm like, I just can't put my finger on it. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun um, just because... Uh, Norman Bates slash Anthony Perkins was the one that I really kind of latched onto as the film progressed because I was starting to pick up on some like Hitchcockisms throughout. Mm -hmm. um, and what's really fun about that though is that like 
for me, I couldn't not see some of these comparisons as I was watching his performance. But then he just like spirals off into completely different territory because for most of the movie, he's kind of wigging out. <laughs> like he's not having a good time. And then he just kind of becomes his own thing. And I I did see some Jim Carrey in him, mostly because he, he's a lanky, you know, he's a lanky guy. Like he has that kind of like rubber man quality to him, but he doesn't he doesn't take it nearly as far. Um, but he can certainly carry a movie, that's for sure. I'll give him that much. He can. He definitely can. Um, and he can direct the hell out of a movie too. Uh, yeah. I was gonna see how old he was because he's. I think he's probably no. He is one year older than me, if that. I was gonna say he's got to be our age. Yeah, that that is a little bit frustrating. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's like born in '86. <laughs> if you had that hairline, yeah, I think yeah. It, it, it I mean that really you. that really 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 does help, Kyle. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna joke. Like teeth and hair in Hollywood help a lot. Yeah, I know. I hate. I all mean, of he's them. got like Christian Bale's teeth, and like he's he's got like a Jim Carrey kind of look about him. He's got perfect hair yeah perfect very hair. good skin too very good skin for for a male actor in mm-hmm. hollywood very good skin so i always yeah he he passes uh in in ba- in baseball terms the the eye test i guess <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i always notice people's hair like he's great hair god damn it he has great hair like that. that's not even thinning at all <laughs> you have to scratch the center of your head while you say that no oh. <laughs> got a great head of hair on him <laughs> Uh, so they're actually like we we get to this little small town where it takes place in Utah. Um, I learned a f- there's a few lessons to take from this movie, and the first one is we have this young couple, uh, life according to Jimmy and his girlfriend. They're coming to like a cabin. And they go out to they go out to dinner in the small town that they're in for whatever reason. And one of the townies uh, just uh, drops a slur, and uh, life according to Jimmy, who we were talking before we started recording, is like a young Mark Wahlberg, basically. He's got like that same kind of like, I-, I can beat the shit out of anybody, and I can bang your girl kind of thing going on. Um, he, yeah, he, yeah. I saw. I'm thinking fear. <laughs> I'm thinking. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm thinking that's, specific. That's a, di- that's a different Marky Mark than I'm used that's, to. <laughs> that, I'm thinking Marky Mark from Fear. Uh, that that's who I've got in my mind. Uh, but he just like starts shit with the townie. I'm like, first of all, don't even go to a townie restaurant or and or bar. Just don't do that. They don't want you there. Second, don't start shit with a townie. Never start shit with a townie. It's not going to go well for you. It never does. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was an interesting scene because it, it's a. Uh, Again, this is evidence that someone in our relative age range is probably at the helm, uh, because it's this is not something you see in older films. It's somebody starting a beef with somebody because they dropped a hard F slur. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is very much a contemporary film, <laughs> to say that much. Um, and it needs to be said, life according to Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Tatro, I guess is this actor's name. Mm. Um, playing a character PJ. Actor's uh, a bit heavy, but this guy, yeah. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he and his gal they have they have like a you know an, an LA kind of vibe about them. Yeah. And they're they're just visiting. Apparently she's a local, but she's you know moved on to better things in recent <laughs> years. <laughs> um, I love that there's a there's an overhead shot of the food that they're being served. And it's just somebody no gloves just raw hands grabbing a sausage with some like sauerkraut next to it yes. just like cutting a fucking sausage in half right down the middle i thought it looked delicious but yeah it looked delicious but at the same time i was like oh 
Is this like is this a foreshadowing of something that's going to happen? I don't know. No, it, it wasn't really, but um, <laughs> it, it, it definitely made me like sit upright in my seat, like, oh Uh-oh. fuck, yeah. <laughs> like, are we going to get some junk torn off and thrown into the woods? <laughs> I mean, it is a werewolf movie. It is a werewolf I am movie. French, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's got like a faux hawk, and they're like sitting, and they're they're like all done up, and they they look like high society types, or at least wannabes in that sense they can afford like, a studio they, they in a, like, yeah they can afford a studio in an expensive part of town they look like influencers like <laughs> stereotypical <laughs> image of that but uh influencers that a two million dollar indie film can afford so yeah. keep that in mind so he's he's hot but he's not that hot yeah. she's hot but she's not that hot <laughs> um but yeah he he calls out this towny guy who by the way is pretty much diminutive like, he's a very small guy yeah, he would have beat the um, shit out of him Oh yeah, PJ would have torn this guy's head off and shit down his stump. Yeah. But yeah, he calls him out at the door for dropping a hard F slur, and she's like, "Don't do it!" Like he's like, "But like, think about my brother. Like, he's here." So like, that, I guess uh, that's the script. That's the script's way of saying that he may he probably has a gay brother. I have a friend that does that. Uh, he's been known to knock a few jaws, uh, crack a few jaws if somebody says uh, the wrong thing. Yeah. So maybe this isn't yeah. so out of the line. Okay. Like I said, contemporary film. Um, no, no blows are exchanged here, but I really love the town he's acting. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, are you going to say something polite? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> the guy in the background. So I got something to say to you. And he's like, "Is he going to be? Polite? Is he going to be polite?" <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that's a townie, all right." Yeah. <laughs> but the the little guy though, um, the guy with the beard and the the floppy hair, um, his acting, he doesn't even really say anything. He just get he gets his own close up. And he's practically in tears, and his mouth is hanging open, and it just has that vibe to it where it's like you don't understand that like you you are instigating a conflict, but for this guy, like this is his whole world coming crashing down. Mm. Like you you just like slapping him in the nutsack verbally, um, and he just looks like defeated and crushed and just really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's all just face acting like just facial acting. Like there's no words really exchanged but nothing really comes of it but anyway they go back to their airbnb and uh they uh, <laughs> i like that there's no cutlery yeah <laughs> like there's there's no silverware like, or cutlery um more than likely for like liability concerns because I, I guess it's an airbnb or something and they don't want anyone cutting themselves on their property yeah i couldn't use the oven at one of the airbnbs i stayed at smart i've never stayed at one uh but yeah, I, I could imagine they do things like that just to be sure. That's smart, um, but don't use that uh, <laughs> I left him uh, improvising uh, like disposable chopsticks mm-hmm. uh, as a bottle opener, like like a wine uncorker. So he like yeah. jams it in there, like like a like a what a hammer and chisel. Ah, drinking one on one. You can actually use your shoe to open up a bottle of wine. Uh, you take your shoe, you put uh, the bottle the the bottom of the bottle into the heel, and then you smack the bottom. I've watched this happen. Uh, the same friend who cracks jaws. I saw him uh, open a bottle of wine like this uh, firsthand. So don't worry about the chopsticks. Okay. Well, you heard it here, folks. You, you actually <laughs> learned something on catching up on the cinema. Correct. You can open open a bottle of wine with a shoe. With a shoe. <laughs> Your buddy needs to get on YouTube and start making tutorial videos for all the dumb millennials that need to look up how to do things. Yeah, he doesn't need to be. How do I mail a letter? <laughs> Google, tell me how to mail letter. He doesn't need to be putting his uh, his stuff out there. He, <laughs> we keep him local. <laughs> well, he can be the uh, Kimbo Slice of uh, 
knocking heads for dropping hard F slurs. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a offshoot of a bully beatdown. He's, if, if that show still exists. He's about a foot shorter, but strangely enough, same body mass index. Well, I mean, that's what my dad would call a, a fire plug. <laughs> Low center of gravity, good for suplexes and backflips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> suplexes come in handy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he opens the bottle of wine, and I love the visual storytelling here where he has a ring. So, like, she, they were hanging out in the hot mm. tub at some point, and um, I guess he wants to propose to her, uh, to his gal, and... Sadly, he never gets to it no. now, <laughs> because uh, I I really love the way this this kill was set up. Spoiler: There's a kill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they're in the hot tub together, and then he goes off to the shower, and she says, uh, "I'll I'll be there in a minute, basically." Um, and something happens where I think he's in the shower, and the Shaving water temperature. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He has a razor. Yes. Him. And uh, we don't see any explicit detail, yeah. but he has a razor in his hand, and he doesn't really have a whole lot of hair on his person. Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. <laughs> but I, something happens where the, the water temperature changes, so it goes from, like, hot to, like, freezing cold, and he goes, ah, ah! And, and meanwhile, I think we're, like, cross-cutting back and forth between something bad happening to her. Mm-hmm. Like, we hear, like, a growling, and then something attacks her, and him jumping out of the shower... Eventually, he comes out, and uh, he finds her dead and butchered in the snow. And that's kind of our, our opener. Um, by the way, I, I liked uh, opening credits. It's a simple effect, but they they take uh, they superimpose two images on top of each other, where it's like the uh, it's like a winter landscape, and then they flip the image upside down, so the mountains are at the top of the screen, pointing downward. And then it, it creates this weird effect where it's like, am I looking at a lake? Am I looking at the sky? Am I looking at the mountains? I don't really know. But they keep doing it, and it's just kind of neat looking. <laughs> it's so it's like dirt cheap. I could probably do that if I had the raw footage to work with. But it looks, um, and I think we jump from there to our uh, our AA meeting yeah. with uh, with uh, Jim Cummings. Yeah, they they have his uh, his AA meeting, which is pretty funny. Um, then he goes off to the sheriff's office, and there's some. The whole, the whole the whole time with this murder because it's such a brutal murder that the running the running gag is that they all think it's some kind of animal and then someone's bringing up werewolf and then the whole time uh, John is the character's name he's just like guys it's not an animal it's a human and it, it's the, it, the big the big challenge but uh, they're trying to keep it quiet uh, we kind of jump from the sheriff's office to the crime scene uh, just like a little back and forth there's not really much going on they're just kind of talking about the murder a little bit yeah the the crime scene investigations uh, in this movie of which there are several uh, are very fascinating uh, the first one is probably the least eventful mm-hmm. um, being as we're still getting rolling and we we're still kind of like dipping our toes into the pool of the movie um, but it kind of establishes right away that the sheriff is Robert Forrester, who is definitely the most recognizable person in the cast. Like Kyle said, he has a IMDb that's probably can probably encircle the earth. Yeah. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake, I know him from like Jackie Brown, and uh, earlier than that, though, I know <laughs> uh, I think he was an alligator, mm. and uh, around that time, he was also the villain in a Chuck Norris movie. Oh. Um, I think it, I think it was the Delta Force, and he plays like a fake. Iranian, I think. I oh, <laughs> and uh, Chuck Norris has to kick him for justice. <laughs> he is unseasonably tan. 
Uh, I could see him, <laughs> him trying to do that. Um, well, yeah, they, they definitely put a couple of extra coats of Instatan <laughs> on him in that one. And uh, his death in that movie is pretty spectacular, though, because he, he gets the shit kicked out of him because America. Yeah. Um, but then Chuck Norris has a, uh, a motorcycle with a backwards-firing rocket launcher mounted on it. Oh, my gosh. So he, like, leaves the fight, and he gets on his motorcycle like he's about to leave, and then Robert Forrester's like, ain't you gonna finish me off, you, you ho-bag? <laughs> and then Chuck Norris just, like, looks over his shoulder, clicks a switch, and a rocket shoots out of, like, the gas pipe, <laughs> and it hits him square in the chest and blows him up. Huh. It's, it's super dumb. <laughs> I haven't seen any Chuck Norris movies, because uh, I just stopped watching Walker, Texas Ranger, even as a kid, and I'm like, okay, this is getting pretty dumb. Uh, Chuck Norris movies are not good. Yeah, I can, um, I can he guess. has a few fun ones, uh, and they're all canon productions. Um, <laughs> the Delta Force is one of them. <laughs> and uh, Invasion USA, I would say, is fun. Uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid, I have a soft spot for. Um, it's a strange one, but the, the final uh, fist fight at the end is it's bad, but it's also good bad, because it, it's a David Carradine and Chuck Norris in a mostly unchoreographed fist fight. Kill Bill? So it, yes. Okay. So it's David Carradine who fancies himself a martial artist. Uh, Chuck Norris who actually is a martial artist but I don't know like his, his moves just never quite look right on screen mm. and it's the two it's like two like middle aged kind of martial arts guys like just like swinging barroom punches Kicking at each punching. other for like for like five minutes. It just goes on and on and on. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I like that uh, right from the get-go, you can see a lot of people like kind of paying special consideration to Robert Forster. Like, maybe he actually needed this, but in almost every scene, someone's like grabbing hold of his arm. Mm-hmm. Like, and in this scene in particular, it seems like there's a dead body. Uh, it's brutally mutilated on top of that, and yet Jim Cummings' character, John, seems more preoccupied with making sure the sheriff is like kept like kept warm and kept safe mm-hmm. like he's like doing everything he can to like put him back in the truck and it's, it's a it's kind of neat it like establishes the character dynamics pretty early uh but yeah like you said in the early goings here we're, we're just kind of like trying to get our bearings and the the main the main con- plot conflict here between all the cops is a uh, like kyle had said john is insisting that it is this is a dude like this is a serial killer um, and then some other people are like, no, it's totally an animal. Like there, there were like wolf tracks nearby. It's got to be an animal. And he, like, he gets pretty upset about it later on. <laughs> but John is like, no, it is a dude. And uh, one of the scenes that Kyle had mentioned um, about uh, all the like the cop team, like all the officers, uh, just having having some really fun dialogue exchanges happens around here where they're all in a diner. And they're, like, talking strategy for how they're going to handle the situation. And, yeah, something about the dynamic between all of them, it just works really, really well. It really like, does. It's, it's legit funny. And all all of these guys are cast really well because they all have, a like, a visual distinction to each and every one of them. They all look different from each other. So even if I don't know their names, like, I know, like, oh, mustache cop. Yeah. Oh, werewolf, werewolf cop, as in cop who really strongly believes that this is a werewolf. 
and then that guy who is about to get fired two scenes from now. Yeah. <laughs> because he's a fucking idiot. I was kind of dis- <laughs> him being fired is funny and worth it, but I was kind of hoping that they'd keep the four of these guys for more just just banter, like them just going back and forth, because this the diner scene is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, on a on a TV series or something, these guys would it would take many years before any of them gets killed off. But this is a barely ninety minute movie, so heads got to roll. And uh, unfortunately, many of them are cops in this movie. <laughs> um, funny cops, but dead cops. Um, this is where we get the flashlight joke. I guess the, the he's saying it's a it's not an animal because it was a person because they removed the 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 victim's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that the one guy phrases it parts. Yeah, her parts. Like, yeah. like he, he's he, he's kind of sheepish about saying the word vagina. So he's like, they removed her parts, and then John just kind of rolls his eyes, and he's like, the killer took her vagina. Yeah, and just like looks him dead in the eyes, like, don't be a sissy. Like, what <laughs> would adults you ta- here? What, what would you take it? I don't know to eat it. Uh, turn it into a flashlight, and I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Bear in mind, public diner. Yeah, public <laughs> diner. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then, uh, there's no, uh, we're not, uh, there's not really a type, I guess it's just women, it is women that are just being killed, for the most part, until we get later to one of the cops, but it's, de- it's not clear that those two are connected, but the next death is the ski instructor, um, yeah, they, yeah, it's just the lady, um, there's a, there's a bit of a thing here where, um, the character will be talking to someone off screen, and then we never see that person. And this was, I think, the first instance of that, where she's just kind of like talking to the the kids, and this one girl just kind of says something smart aleck, and she says something back to her, and we never see the girl, which I was kind of like, huh, I thought maybe that would be a character or just something. This was really cool. Um, I'm, I'm just going to stop things real quick, because uh, this was some cool filmmaking. Um, ballsy. Because this is this is somebody making a a choice, because uh, things did not need to be played out in this fashion. But this was the director saying, "I want to do it this way and see if it works," and I think it does. Uh, so the next two killings that we have in this movie, and bear in mind, all of these happen around the time of the full moon, uh, hence werewolf. Mm-hmm. That's why people suspect werewolf. Um, both of these killings are introduced to us beforehand. Um, both of the victims, rather, are introduced to us in just short scenes devoted to them. Um, but the way it's shot, um, it gives us evidence that the killer encountered them earlier in the day and then later that night killed them. Mm-hmm. And with the ski instructor lady, we have her. Uh, this is the first time we're meeting her and pretty much the only time we get to see her. Uh, she's like giving a lesson. You can see that she's good humored. You can also see that she's maybe a little sexually frustrated because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she does have some comments about uh, some dudes in town uh, not being especially interested in her. Um, but then we have the scene after her ski instruction stuff uh, where she's at like the lodge and like her gear's all dressed down and stuff. And she's sitting at this big table. Like it's, it's like a big party table with a bunch of people. She's drinking and eating and stuff. And the camera's just like, lined up in the center of the table and she's in the center of the frame and it just kind of slowly zooms in on her and if i remember right the audio is pretty much dropped out here mm-hmm. and she looks directly into the camera and looks really uncomfortable yeah um so we don't hear anything so we don't know if any words were exchanged but we know that she saw someone earlier in the day in the daytime after work uh, that made her feel very uncomfortable um and then we skip ahead to nighttime and uh, she's like in her van, like out on like a frozen lake or something. And uh, 
yeah, she gets attacked. Uh, but I really like the introduction of that because, like, we don't we you can infer that the killer is the person who's making her un- uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's not until the next killing that we get we get confirmation that yes, this is a pattern where the killer it's like a it's almost like a marking or like a catch and release kind of thing where he like singles them out earlier in the day and then he comes later at night during the full moon. Um, but the kill sequence here, uh, the editing, um, and again, this is all compliments to the filmmaker. This was really cool because we do this multiple times in the film, but the, the way this is edited together, we're jumping to between like three or four different points in time. Mm. Um, and we're cross cutting back and forth between like the actual act of the killing so we get to see this poor woman uh, attacked and we do get a glory shot of a werewolf yeah um it's a it's a glory shot in that it's it's a shot of a werewolf standing up uh from from foot to head um not the best cgi but it's very brief and doesn't hurt the film in any way but we do get confirmation werewolf it's a werewolf (laughs) and her arm comes off by the way and that's that's a it's kind of it's like a campy gore to yeah, be honest. It's campy. Yeah, it's a little bit campy, and actually, I was I had a laugh at that. Like, I w- probably wasn't supposed to, but I did. But um, what I'm talking about here, though, is uh, we cross cut between her being killed, um, John. Like, <laughs> I think this is uh, where he's having his argument with his ex-wife and his daughter. Oh, the family squabbles. Yeah, and then John at the funeral for the woman who's being killed and looking really pissed off and impatient mm-hmm. uh, and and then the investigation of the crime scene so we get all of this like added together kind of like what Christopher Nolan style where it's like time yeah. has no meaning <laughs> like, like everything the, happens at once <laughs> it's like the prestige but yeah uh, him conducting the crime scene is a lot of fun because it is intense on his end yeah, yeah. <laughs> again yeah this is this is like actors real kind of stuff here because he gets his own camera angle where the camera's just kind of like pacing around him and this is where the the moments i was talking about where like the soundtrack dips out for comedic effect and stuff and he's just throwing a tirade he's he is flipping the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> and then uh just the way this whole thing is structured where we keep cutting back and forth between these timelines um and the music it all flows together so well to like create this really comedic high tension scenario where you can tell this is like him just like this would be the character this would be the moment where the character throws his hands up and says i just need a moment to think this is a actually this is a marky mark freak out where it's like i just need a minute (laughs) minute. yeah (laughs) um and this is also where uh one of his associates uh drops the ball and gets his self fired yeah um, and i really love the way it's handled because he just like shouts across the crime scene like it's a world it was definitely a wolf <laughs> like uh because he's like talking to like animal control or something like that and uh he says like all indications on the body and indicate a wolf attack or something he shouts it and then we just get this close-up of jim cummings like just gritting his teeth and over his shoulder you can see a news van mm-hmm. And just the window rolls up <laughs> and they try to like, <laughs> <It's> brilliant. <laughs> and he's like, Bo, come here. <laughs> and he just punch. Yeah, they just get into a fight on the other side of the hill. Pretty good. Uh, it, but it, it's a funny fight, though. It's like it takes a special kind, kind of comedian to know how to funny fight because he pulls him off to the side. And it's just like this like snowy little area. And they just look at each other 
and John slaps his hat off his head, <laughs> and then the guy takes a swing at him, misses, and they tackle each other, and they just start rolling around like little children. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, like the guy who lost his hat, he's yelling like, "No, no, no!" <laughs> like, it it really is like watching two little kids fight. Yeah, they uh, they have a meeting, and then he just fires him in a way that could get you shot as a boss. Like if you were to fire somebody like this in real life, like. Uh, he might come back and do something about it. This is not how you handle that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's very catty. Yeah. And also we get um, some lines of dialogue from the other cops uh, hinting at the fact that John might have, was it, fallen off the wagon again? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, again, this is an instance of them saying something quiet and him hearing it clear as day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't bode well for them in their near future. But... Um, also, forgot to mention, um, Officer Julia Robson, who I like that uh, John repeatedly calls her Julia. Officer Robson, him. yeah. And she's like, actually, Officer Robson. <laughs> she she has kind of a Francis McDormand quality to her yeah. from talking, like, from Fargo. She um, uh, she was in the Last House on the Left remake, where she is not channeling her Francis McDormand. Uh, she is not a good person in that movie. Not that that movie was particularly good. Uh, but yeah, she's a bad person in that, which I was kind of shocked because she usually plays like these goofy, funny characters. And then I saw that and I'm like, oh, she's, oh, she's doing this. Okay. Not a good person. She strikes me as a very talented character actor because mm-hmm. she, she has a very loud face and that her features are very exaggerated. So I could, I could imagine as an actor, that's a very, that's a good tool set to be working with. Mm. You can do a lot with that. Because um, she got big eyes and she has kind of a funny face, but I could see her being really scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, she's she's neither funny nor scary. She's just she's actually like the best cop in yeah. in the force, basically. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to mention, there's just like a very brief sequence where we get to see her eat the most depressing bowl of uh, coffee pot ramen you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, mm, mm, that was not pleasant to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I haven't seen that since. <laughs> college <laughs> but um we see her just alone uh it, pretty obvious she lives alone it looks like in a small apartment as well um but as soon as the first crime scene as soon as they get all the investigation materials together she's like studying them on her own off the clock um so that's all the visual information we need is a woman eating coffee pot ramen uh, looking through crime scene photos on her own time to, to know that she's very good at her job, or at least she cares a lot. Um, and yeah, during this briefing scene, uh, John is just terrible. He's just a kind of catty bitch. <laughs> and she kind of writes the ship, though. Like she, she is the one who like comes with the evidence photos and kind of establishes a plan going forward. And it's kind of funny because she... Uh, she has that line where she says, like, okay, well, you disarm them with a joke, and now it's time for the photos, yeah. <laughs> which are really gruesome. <laughs> which you never really see. I can never make out anything, like, in the photos. Mm, Two million dollars. Um, I don't think gore and makeup effects were in the budget, and it's really not needed. All all it is is, is like, macros of body parts and yeah. a lot of just blood. Not really, like, gore makeup, just fake blood splattered here and there um point is everybody's reaction in the room is that it's, it's grisly mm-hmm. and i like that robert forster kind of dressed downs uh, dresses down uh john here where he's like we need leadership and like everybody's like 
You mean her? Yeah. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> well, he doesn't know what he's doing. That's the other thing. He like he doesn't he he's just not good at his job. And you you get good at your job for, like you you learn the things first and then you get better. Like he never learned the things and he's just trying he's just yelling at people to do things. Uh, it's I've worked for people like that. It's very yeah, frustrating. And we also get a kind of illuminating scene that it's it's a very awkward dialogue scene but um i'm glad it's here uh so john has a teenage daughter mm. who is they say multiple times 17 about to head off to college on a gymnastic scholarship and uh the ex-wife is only in one scene mm. but damn that is a scene it's, <laughs> it's it's a it's like little kind of scene but it's also hilarious and again public diner <laughs> uh Maybe maybe think about that before you start tearing into each other, folks. Yeah. Um, but this was the scene that you were telling me about um, off air, where it's he's attempting to like reach out to his daughter because you know women are being killed in this very small town, and he's concerned about his teenage daughter, and he like goes up to her room, and you can I love that you can tell just based on his face and his delivery that he's like hoping. He he's like he has a, a selection of school subjects that he is willing to help her with and mm. ones that he's not. And he's like I forget what he says, it's like social studies or something. She's like calculus and he's like, Can't do nothing about that no. <laughs> He's like, Can't help you there But basically he comes in like pretending he's trying to help her with her schoolwork. But then he ends up sitting down with her and they have this Kyle, do you do you wanna get into this? Like yeah. like what is it they talk about well, here? He's just like well do you have that uh, that present I got you that, that pepper spray I got you? She's like, yeah, you got it for me for communion, which was really weird. Like, <laughs> it was just a really weird uh, present he got her with pepper spray, and he's like, I'm just concerned about you. See the way you dress, and it's it's kind of weird the way he's like trying to trying to connect with her, and then she's just like, Are you like this because your mom left you when you were a kid? Like it was weird how it 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 switches to something different and uh he actually reacts pretty negatively i thought we were doing homework like <laughs> it's really funny um i don't know why he's such an awkward dad i don't know if that's just just how he is he's just always an awkward guy but he's a very strange he's a very strange dad well during this exchange of dialogue between the two of them i i, I described her as talking to him like a like a young millennial who hangs out too much on Wikipedia mm-hmm. uh, because she starts to like psychologically analyze him on the spot. Mm. And she's basically saying like, you're trying to hold on to me too tightly because, um, well, you're, you're like throwing yourself into your work and you're like trying to keep tabs on me and quote unquote the family, uh, because your mom left you when you're young and your dad is dying <laughs> and like basically everything she's listing off is correct mm-hmm. but he's like no i don't think so no no i don't think so. no no i don't think so <laughs> but eventually yeah he just gets frustrated because um yeah i mean this happens to people in real life all the time nobody likes to be told how they are mm-hmm. um we all kind of have an image in our head of of how we are and it's it's safe because it's comfortable but when you hear it coming from other people it's like you you need you really need to shut up. <laughs> it's even worse when it's from somebody with no life experience. That's that's always the best. Yeah, when when you get you know those truth like truisms told to you from somebody who you literally made, yeah. <laughs> who's you know like you said not even gone off to college yet. Like, um, wait till this dynamic fucks you up in life. 
pretty much but yeah uh, it's it's just an interesting exchange and then we have uh, a moment later on that I, i'm only going to bring it up now because it was so small but if it threw me off a little bit is uh the uh the, <laughs> the little scrap with the coroner um oh, when he yeah. hurts his wrist uh there's an awkward moment where he hurts his wrist and he locks eyes with the coroner and he says i'm a father and the coroner replies to him no you're not and I got really thrown by that. I was yeah. like, where did that come from? And hang on, but he has daughter... What? <laughs> it doesn't really amount to anything, but I I don't know. Maybe that's part of his self-identity or something. Um, but we don't really see a, much evidence that he's a good father. No. So maybe that's what the coroner meant by that. I don't think he is. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, we got a brief scene where... Uh, well, PJ is reintroduced into the film for like two seconds. I'm not going to say he's a bad father. He's just not good with people. And that trickles down to his relationship with his daughter. So I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think he's he's got a lot more wrong than that. Yeah, he he's a little neglectful, but mm. I I think he means well. It's just uh, his efforts are kind of misplaced, yeah. and also getting blackout drunk is not good for anyone. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, PJ, uh, Jimmy Tatro, the life according to Jimmy. Uh, we go back to visit him to like hand off some evidence that was collected uh, for the initial killing. And he gets a cool moment here. Uh, we we forgot, to mi- uh, forgot to mention, um, we just, we cut to a... Um, a f- oh, we're actually, we're about to get to that. I apologize. Sorry, keep going. I, I, I wrote him down backwards in my notes. I remember like, well, that's not going ma- to matter. It did matter. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> my bad. Uh, but anyway, uh, we drop off this evidence with Jimmy, and uh, I was really impressed with his acting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's very standoffish, and everything he says feels genuine. Like, it feels like it's coming from a real place of vulnerability and just agitation. Because he's mad at them because he's really upset that his his not-even-fiancé, the person who was about to become his fiancé, got torn apart. And he just wants to put it behind him. Um, and here they are, you know, bring literally bringing it back yeah. to his doorstep. And his reaction is, like... He, like, draws back. Like, he, like, rears back and says, like, dude, like, I've gone over this, like, 25 times already. It doesn't get any easier. And, by the way, his, like, mom is kind of shuffling around in the background the whole time. Because uh, he's, like, packing up and getting ready to move or something. But uh, it all ends with him, like, breaking down and starting to cry. And, and seeing this guy, who, by the way, if you've heard his voice, um, what I told Kyle was this this man is jacked with testosterone. Yeah. Um, this this man feel, makes me feel... Uh, like less of a man just listening to him because his voice is like he talks in belches almost <laughs> like yeah he sounds like a sh- like almost like Vin Diesel where it's just like oh uh, no man except he enunciates uh the yeah it, he just sounds kind of like Vin Diesel <laughs> well only difference is Vin Diesel puts that voice on like uh, that's acting whereas this oh, guy yeah. I think that's just his vocal cords like I think he just has a lot of testosterone and is just like that <laughs> um but yeah hearing like seeing him break down and actually shed some tears and like kind of put his face in his his mom's stomach like like you it's interesting seeing such a like hulking brute look so vulnerable mm-hmm. um good performance um I, he has a future as an actor that's for sure maybe um although i, I bet youtube is probably more lucrative so <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this scene felt kind of worthless at the time, but it becomes important later on, much later on. But 
Uh, this brings us to our next killing, where this time, uh, instead of the audio being dropped out and uh, just a look on the face of our future victim, uh, we actually get a dialogue exchange, and we actually get to see part of the body of our killer. And I thought it was really interesting that um, nobody mentions that he's lanky, that he's thin. Um, they keep describing him as big, mm. like tall and big. But for me, it's like seeing him walk around in the background. I was like, oh, yeah, he's, his wrists are like nothing. Like, <laughs> like he's very tall for sure. But like seeing him in that hoodie, it's like he's swimming in that hoodie. <laughs> but it's a it's a woman and her like three year old daughter uh, sitting in a diner slash restaurant or whatever. And she's trying to put on her headphones and do some shit on her laptop. And I mean, folks, if a lady has her headphones on, leave her alone. At, if anybody's got their headphones how, on. Yeah, it, it, I don't care how pretty she is. It, Just no. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you can't bug people with the headphones on. Anybody's got headphones on, they don't want to talk. That's why they got headphones in. Um, Especially if they have a fucking three-year-old kid. <laughs> something weird happens here where we get, before we get to the diner, they're driving, they're like driving back from Jimmy's or whatever, and then a beer bottle smash it, like, smashes up against the cop side of the cop car, and they're just like, well, that was weird. And uh, we get uh, this weird shot of this this person in a trailer and the silhouette looks like Jimmy and he's yeah. like this just yeah. dude that's jacked and he's just in this shitty trailer smoking meth or heroin I don't know he looked more like heroin because he looked sleepy afterwards um, it, and we just kind of cut away from that it was kind of strange yeah that happens throughout the entire film mm-hmm. uh, we keep cutting back like four or five different times uh, to this mystery person in like a, a trailer doing some sort of hard drugs, and they have a big, a big dog with them. When is this dude going to the gym? Like, one, he doesn't have a gym membership. Two, <laughs> like, the, he can't afford a gym membership. Uh, two, like, this guy's doing drugs. I'm like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's eating healthy and actually hitting the weights, man. Yeah, uh, his silhouette, you could tell he's well muscled, but yeah, that that math doesn't exactly add up. Um, but this is this is kind of trying to plant the seeds of like a red herring or something yeah it's like, oh, that's the killer it's like eh, it's probably not but <laughs> but, but yeah uh, kyle's right I, I wasn't sure when that was going to come up but it does happen multiple times throughout the film and it, it he even has a fucking wolf tattoo on his, mm-hmm. his one shoulder yeah this diner guy is asking all the red flag questions we were doing another movie i'm like if a guy's asking you these questions run because he's he's planning to attack you later uh he has which is super inappropriate. Um, this girl's too old to be saying that she's cute as a stranger. Kids that are cute are like one and a half years younger, one and a half years older, younger. Those are cute kids. If they're talking a little bit, like, nah, dude, that's you're you're a stranger. You don't know this person. Don't compliment their kid. Yeah, and all credit to her. She also mentions that uh, she does the. Uh, she mentions her husband offhand. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like she when handles you're this, She handles this really well. It's like when you're you're meeting like a a person of relative, you know, same age range or whatever and you just casually drop, "Oh, my boyfriend, or mm-hmm. my girlfriend." It's it's to create boundaries. It's like, you know, this is this is where we're at, okay? <laughs> like and yeah, she it takes a while to get there, but she does throw out there like, "Oh, my husband." Wink wink. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's like, "Oh, is she going to go?" Well, he's asking a lot of questions about the kid, which is really yeah. creepy. He's like, "Is she going to yeah. go to school?" They're like, "Yeah, my husband and I plan to enroll her here soon." Um, but yeah, she handles this really well. And then she does the, the wise thing. She goes, up. Oh, they put onions on my burger. I got to go talk to them about this. Which she leaves her kid at the table, which 
If you have a, a strange man asking about your child, come on, sweetie, let's go up to the front counter real quick. Uh, but yeah, she just goes up and, I need to call the cops real quick. Brilliant. She handles this really yeah. well. Yeah, she handles it very well. And uh, it needs to be said, uh, the elementary school is something that probably ties the whole story together. Huh? Um, yeah. Um, it's a small detail, but this movie's packed to the gills with them. Um, the uh, the girl from out of town with uh, PJ, uh-huh. with a uh, world according to Jimmy, um, she mentions that like she was from here originally mm-hmm. and she went to the elementary school and it's such a small town that oh I think they're they all townies it, they all they call it the elementary school as in gotcha. there's literally one um and then this gal um he says that he worked at the at the elementary school and she mentions i went there too and you know my girl's about to go there as well and i think that's what ties everyone together mm. is that he the yeah they're all townies probably from probably contemporaries honestly they all kind of look like maybe the same age range but apparently he worked at the school at some point um in what capacity i don't know doesn't really matter (laughs) but um this begins like a it's not even well i guess it is like a montage where it's everybody in the town uh coming into the police station and giving testimonials that i i saw the killer and uh what's kind of neat about this is uh the first one we get is our lady from the diner uh, with, I, I like her uh, ribbon or whatever. The red ribbon <laughs> is neat. <laughs> you don't see that in Seattle very often. Um, but she is giving, she's telling the story that we just saw mm, of having yeah. this weird encounter with this really tall guy that uh, was asking all the wrong questions. Um, but then just as it seems like, you know, her story is getting through to the police uh, we get a whole sea of other people telling unrelated stories mm-hmm. in the interrogation office. Oof. And it's like, oh, her story's getting buried under just noise. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we get to see basically everyone in the town come in and say, oh, like, oh, I, I saw the werewolf. I saw the guy. I saw the person doing all the killings. And it's like it just creates this picture where it's like, ah, uh, like you, if it was just her, you, you you may have made the right moves, but now there's just too many voices, and you can't you can't find the actual details in there. I like the coffee. I like how he's making like all the coffee that he's making. I got it. It was a good gag. But yeah, the the next I think little bit. Um, let's see here, diner mom. Oh yeah, uh, they're questioning the diner mom, and then we cut to her driving home. I'm not sure how much later this was. It might have been the same day even. Uh, she's driving home at night, and there's a deer in the middle of the road, which. By the way, uh, go around that. Just go around the deer. Yeah. Happens all the time. Happens go around. all the time. <laughs> cops going to come. Hey, call a cop later. Just say, hey, there's a deer uh, out in the road. I didn't hit it. It's just dead. Um, <laughs> go around. Uh, she gets out of the car like that dumbass dad in Halloween when he sees all the all the crazy people out of a bus. Like, oh, I'm going to go check this out real quick. <laughs> Let's go see what's going on. Talk to these reasonable people. Um yeah, she gets outside, and, I mean, you know what happens next. Uh, the killer is there. Uh, what I didn't see coming... Well, first, my, my first thing was like, oh, no, why would you get out of the car, go back into the car? The lady that got chased, the, the ski instructor, she goes around to the other side and goes away from the driver's side door. I'm like, no, 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 that was your, that's how you get out of this. You get in the car <laughs> and you drive away. Uh, but, yeah, no, she... Uh, the mom doesn't make it. Um, I had a chuckle at one of the deaths, and I don't remember which one, and I don't remember why. 
but I didn't have a chuckle at this one because I'm like, oh, what about that kid? Because there's a little girl just hanging on the back seat. Uh, I thought this was kind of a kind of heavy for this movie. Uh, neither one of them make it. We have uh, the mom, <laughs> the mom's casket, and you just pan up and you see this little bitty casket <laughs> next to her. I'm like, Jesus, dude! I did not see that coming. Yeah, I mean that's part of the advantage of a two million dollar indie film is that you can do shit like that and you don't really have to worry about it because yeah. two million dollars, man, you're gonna you're gonna make that back uh, yeah. so long as you know podcasters pay five ninety nine to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was this would have a theatrical release or was this gonna be straight to streaming? Uh, it probably would have gotten a limited theatrical release, you know, like like small theaters and whatnot, okay. but probably not like your big cineplexes and whatnot but it certainly looks like a feature film like it it looks like it would be at home being played in a theater but uh you may have laughed during this killing um because once again just like last time uh, we start cross-cutting to different points in time um and combination of the music and just the timing of like as soon as she starts getting killed um by the way she has a revolver that she does shoot a couple of times presumably Mm -hmm. misses um by the way we do see a big hairy something or other attacking everybody like um the lady in the van we got that glory shot of the werewolf Mm -hmm. um this time it's just like completely obscured we just see a like big shaggy thing tearing into her yeah um but like the moment uh she gets attacked uh we immediately like jump ahead to uh Jim Cummings coming into the coroner's office and there's a body on the table. Mm. <laughs> it's just the timing of it's comical because like the moment she starts screaming and the thing touches her, it's just like, Oh, dead. And his reaction is like, it's not like horror. It's just like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> like, like, every month with this shit. Um, and just like last time we were cross cutting between like him at, at the funeral, like him in the coroner's office and I think this is where uh, he he and the coroner uh, he like grabs him by the collar, and uh, they they get like pulled off of each other. And uh, John bangs his wrist on the floor and like tweaks tweaks his wrist or something. And this is where that line of mm. "I'm a father" and he's like, "No, you're not." <laughs> it comes up. Um, so this is where like he's getting fucking frustrated, man. Like, this, like every month people are dying. I think this is around the time uh, he. This is when he gets good, ugly drunk. Where he he just like cracks. I don't know how many beers. He drinks Listerine. Yeah, straight up. Ooh. We weren't allowed to have uh, Listerine with alcohol in it. Like we weren't allowed to buy it from uh, the little commissary in boot camp because I didn't even know it was a thing. They're like, yeah, dudes were caught drinking it and getting drunk off Listerine. I'm like, huh? Didn't even know you could do that. But yeah, he's pounding the Listerine. Dude, just go to the liquor store. You can go buy liquor if you're planning. If you're just gonna fall off, just Go off with some grace. I don't know. Like for me personally, being from Seattle, you know, not having to deal with intense weather phenomenon very often. Um, just the thought of like piling into the car and driving through like snow and stuff to like grab just like little things. Oh, that would, that would irk me. Oh, okay. It, it's not that yeah. big a deal. I like unless snow. it's toilet paper. Like it, it's like eh, I can wait till tomorrow, kind of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I remember the kids in like high school getting piercings. Or like getting dental work stuff and uh, bringing Listerine to school. Oh Jesus! And then 
yeah, they'd get kind of loopy. <laughs> there was, uh, <laughs> and nobody really figured out why. <laughs> I, I was told of a story of a guy on the ship who... Do you remember you know that Listerine that's brown? Like the brownish-yellow Listerine? Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even know What's what they... What's that for? I, it's like, it, was, it was like the original Listerine without any kind of mintiness. Like it just doesn't have any flavor, apparently. But it oh. looks an awful lot like liquor. And one of the guys figured that out. So he would pour liquor into all these Listerine bottles, and then he would sit in like the he would just like sit there watch TV, and be drinking it. If somebody came in, he would just like act like he was mouthwashing. Like, Oof, Jesus! Yeah, pretty gross. Wow. Um, but long story short, uh, this drinking binge results in uh, <laughs> him slipping off of his kitchen counter, catching the oven door on his way down, and the glass from the oven door splashes onto the floor as he. <laughs> tumbles onto his back. It's it's a pretty good pratfall. Yeah. Chevy Chase would be very proud, and then he would sue. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you stole my bit. <laughs> this guy's funnier than Chevy Chase. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he is off the wedding. This is this is where we cut back to uh, that guy that was doing drugs. He's burning a dead body in a bunch of sticks, and I'm like, okay, well that's weird. Uh, don't know what that's all about. Uh, yeah, thought that was kind of strange. Yeah, um, that comes up way later in the movie. Um, I'm not really sure to what end, but this is like really trying to hammer home. This is the guy. See, I no, it's not. It was a weak. <laughs> it was a weak red herring. So I'm like, no, it's not. This is not what he does. Like you're doing. You're 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 telling me too much. It's like wolf tattoo. I'm like, okay. And you have a dead body and leaves. I'm like, well, that's not what he does. That's not his style. He rips people open. Like we've, yeah, we've established that. He, he snatches the vagine. Yeah. <laughs> this is a different. This is a different guy. Um, but yeah, we get a fun bit here where uh, John goes to the library and does some research, uh, and it's it's all about like werewolf lore and stuff like that, and I think like a little bit of taxidermy as well. Uh, I loved when the librarian wakes him up in the morning because oh, he's great. been there all. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a really it's a mouthful. This is like some Tarantino kind of shit where it's like you gotta you gotta have educated lips to get all these lines out this quick. Um, but Jim Cummings sticks the landing and he's just like, hey, like for your future reference, like if you're gonna invite a cop into your library and uh, he asks you to pick all the creepy shit off the shelves and give it to him. Don't wake him up suddenly yeah. in the morning, <laughs> like because if it was if it was one of these other guys and not me, you would be shot. shot. Yeah, <laughs> you been shot. Just a warning. That's just, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's genuinely hilarious. Uh, and then we get to uh, possibly my I think one of the funniest scenes in this movie. Uh, this is where we go to the office to hear a voicemail from I, maybe the lady. This is fucking great. The lady who I think it was the mom. Maybe the mom. I'm not entirely sure. But some guy leaves like a creepy voicemail. And uh, <laughs> he's just listening to it. And uh, he's like, can you play the back again? <laughs> just back to her. Like, you know, you could just hit it again. Like, you don't have to have her do it. But he decides he's going to take it for evidence. So he just rips the phone out of the wall. <laughs> it's a landline. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. It's, like, he, he grabs the whole phone and he's, like, wrapping the cords around it and just, like, marching <laughs> just past marching them. He's out. like, I'm going to take this back and we're going to examine this at the office. <laughs> like, it's fucking it's not how that works. It's not how that works, dude. <laughs> oh. So see, he's just obli- again, is- he's oblivious. <laughs> yeah, and it needs to be said he's probably been drinking from a flask like in every one of these scenes. There's a, we don't see it. There's a running gag with uh with um vape pen with a vape vaping in this. Uh, life according to Jimmy, which I thought was kind of interesting. He's just kind of sitting there. 
uh, talking to the cops, and after we've seen a dude with his silhouette smoking, uh, yeah, smoking um, something, he's just talking and just uh, he just lets some smoke out of his mouth. Come to find out, he's got a little a little vape. The coroner has one too. The uh, the autopsy guy. Uh, yeah, and, but the jewel comes into play in a little bit, which I had a pretty good laugh at again too. <laughs> again, contemporary filmmaker. Yeah. It's like one of those weird little details that you know it. If you've been around the general public in the past several years, you've seen people just have jewel pens with them or, or vape pens and stuff. Him shit housed on the floor, <laughs> just, like, he's just, he's just the jewel. <laughs> Yeah, it's the only time we see it. It's too. so and it, funny, and it's it's kind of for some reason it, it just kind of works. It's pretty fucking funny. I don't know why it's so funny because <laughs> um, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would do that. And he never even asked, it would have been one thing if he asked about it. He's like, "What is that thing?" Uh, but he never even asked about it. You just see him smoking it. Um, well, that's what's kind of beautiful about it. It's like he doesn't say anything about it, but he knows both of those people. He knows about he, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he probably it it probably planted the seed, and he was probably just like you know you know what I think I want one. We'll get one of those things. things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Probably at the gas station, he was like, huh? It's like that that really you know emotionally distressed fellow had one of those. I should probably get one of those. I'm emotionally distressed. (laughs) Uh, I think this is the night where we're strapping up. Like it's full moon, full moon tonight. We're gonna be out and about. Like everybody's gonna be posted around the town, ready for a call, ready for it to happen. Uh, and his daughter decides that she's going to go out uh, and meet up with a dude who's... Uh, it's, it's just kind of funny, the dynamic between the two of them. He's like, are you sure about this? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. I, yeah, it's it's kind of, like, oddly wholesome. <laughs> where it's like, this has been not a raunchy movie, but, you know, they, they're not afraid to go to some weird places with things. And yeah. it's kind of a weirdly wholesome relationship. In fact, she seems to be the one that's like really pushing to accelerate things, and the guy's just kind of like, oh, "Are you sure? sure? Like, is this okay? Like, I think your neighbor's watching." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's supposed to be curfew, and she's the sheriff's deputy's daughter, so she's doing a bad thing yeah. here. Um, but I like the I like the suiting up scene where everybody gets their shotguns and their body armor, and uh, Robert Forster gets a good line here where he's like, "He's like, I would ask y'all to pray." But it can't because of the L- damn lawyers. lawyers. <laughs> yeah, good line. I think it might have been in the trailer too, but yeah, that was that was pretty. I good. think it was, but it's just like instead we'll do a moment of silence here, and uh, immediately after though we get this really sad moment where everybody leaves the room and it's just sheriff and father and son, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Forrester kind of like dips a little bit, like you can tell he's on shaky feet here, and uh, John kind of eases him into a chair, and earlier I. Uh, <laughs> there's a running gag in this film that it's one part like kind of touching and one part hilarious um throughout the entire movie up to this point um the sheriff has been literally being hidden in other rooms in the office <laughs> like like john keeps stowing him in like the storeroom and like just like other places in the building so other people can't see him in his weakened state because they're trying to pretend that he's still the sheriff yeah. but his you know his his faculties haven't left him, but his body is failing him, and it, he just shouldn't be under the stress he's under. And so, he like eases him into a chair, and they have they have an exchange here where he's like, "Dad, I'm done with this shit. Uh, last time I saw you, you were in the storeroom of the police station with an EMT checking your heart and yeah. confirming you have a heart murmur. So don't give me this shit about your fine, and and you can go out fucking werewolf hunting. Um, and yeah, this whole exchange ends with uh, him like. Uh, Jim Cummings 
just being like really distraught and uh, having to go off and do his job which actually seems to be like i guess that's his his character is that like i have to go off and do the job because that's the job yeah like he, he feels like this odd sense of responsibility for things that honestly he probably shouldn't um but he like storms off and he like stops at the front desk and he tells carla the the older gal who like runs the phones and whatnot he's like he's just like out of breath and unable to find his words but he's like hey like i gotta go my dad's in the back he needs an ambulance now and he's like trying to find words to like give her orders and he just can't and she's he eventually he just gets out like take care of it and she's like i got it (laughs) she handles it really well she's like can you handle that and she's like I can handle that. Like she, yeah. She's like, yes, I can. Well, she she's very polite with him. Like she doesn't uh, she doesn't snap back at him, which would be very difficult because he is a dick. Like it would be hard not to snap back at him. She she really does a really good job with him. Um, there's some people who could take some lessons from her. Like this is how you this is how you interact with people. Uh, <laughs> you be the bigger person. Um, so yeah, his daughter's with the dude, and uh, they're getting hot and heavy in the car, and. Uh, they he sees like there's like a lady like waving at them on the phone. It's like shit. Your neighbor is gonna call the cops. But we see her and she's like pointing to the back of the car. Uh, Rutro, it's the werewolf. Um, yeah. So the the cops are already on their way. And he's like I don't know if he's just like asleep or he's just like got his eyes closed. But he gets the call and he just like perks right up and just he's the first one on the scene. Yeah. This was a very uh, Jim Carrey moment yeah. where he, he's. <laughs> it's like it's a little Ace Ventura ish, but yeah, he's like go. For, I think he says go for John. Go for John. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he springs into action. And this uh, this very brief attack sequence uh, on his daughter, I thought was actually the most effective like action slash horror moment in the whole movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of cool. Because we don't really see the thing, but it like bangs up against the car, and then we get this moment where it's at the rear, at like the rear windshield. And it like smacks its claw against it, and just the the sound and just the little visual of the claw marks on the glass like really do a lot to sell it. Mm. And eventually, it does like punch through the passenger window, I think, and uh, the two teens fall out the driver's side door, uh, just in time for John to show up and start blasting away with his shotgun. He's like and the he's like William Fickner, William Fickner in uh, in uh, the Dark Knight, just like. Poof. Just shooting over shit. Like, dude, you're in a you and your friends are dead. <laughs> you are in that neighborhood right now, dude. Like, you gotta be careful. Yeah, um, I was waiting for a get inside or stay inside, like while shooting. <laughs> like, stay in your house. Get in your houses, goddammit. Yeah, that would have been yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, well, actually, what I was really waiting for was him to shoot every car in the neighborhood and then get a click. <laughs> and then be like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I like this meltdown he has with his daughter. Like he can hear. Like it's so funny. Uh, like he's just, she's like, "Dad," and he just stops dead. Like just the rage building up in him. He's just so. He doesn't. He bottles it pretty well, but you can just tell like he is furious. Uh, oh, he explodes on. Ooh, they they go off. Uh, she's funny. Like I, I don't know how he did this. How did he get everybody with just good comedic timing? Because she's just like, I'm bleeding out of my fucking skull. Will you take me to the hospital? <laughs> just fucking perfect. <laughs> well, by the way, and, and th- that's like one third of what she says. Mm. And the whole time she's putting on pants. Yeah. Because she's in her underwear, mm. but she's putting on pants while she's cussing him out. Yeah. 
and saying like, I can't wait till I go to college because I want to live with anyone but you. I'm bleeding from the fucking skull. Take me <laughs> to the hospital. <laughs> and, and she like casually gets into his car. Yeah. So and it's like, get your get your damn self to the hospital. I was, I was laughing at that too. He hears screaming and gunshots happening in the background. And he's just like, gotta take her to the hospital, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the rest of the cops head down the end of the block, and they find mustache cop stuffed into a garbage. I was so disappointed because he was yeah. like my favorite one of the of that group of guys. Yeah, mustache cop was fun. Gutierrez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you got his name. Gutierrez. <laughs> I was just. And then the black gentleman was Chavez, and then I yeah. don't remember what the white dude's name was. Uh, first name was Bo. Fuck- so I guess between the two of us, we got them all. Whatever the exchange was Gutierrez had with him in the car had me fucking rolling. I don't know what <laughs> it was, but just them going back and forth was great. Because <laughs> Gutierrez is that kind of guy that's like kind of dumb, but very assertive. And it clashes with somebody who's also doesn't feel like they're wrong, but also very assertive. It makes for good, it makes for good comedy. <laughs> yeah, no, they had a good dynamic, and I was sad to see Mustache Cup go. But um, I think the next scene we get here is uh, both grandpa and daughter mm-hmm. in the hospital beds next to each other. And that that's a really striking visual. Uh, but then the moment is ruined by John walking up to his unconscious daughter, taking her cell phone, using her thumb to open oh, said yeah. cell phone. I was wondering <laughs> and then the next scene, next scene is him breaking into her it. teenage boyfriend or whatever's house you, yeah he's with, just sleeping he's just sleeping and you hear get out of this house what are you doing in this house what are you doing in this house he just go he comes he's got a t-shirt taped around his mouth like, you can see his eye i don't know what the fuck he was thinking he was drunk Kyle. Oh, God, he was very was drunk because yeah he, what are you doing in this what house what are you doing in this house so apparently he knocked on the door and just pushed his way into the house past this teenage boy's mother. Oh. And then he gets to the boy's bedroom and he tries to choke him out. Just, yeah. just starts. And the mom is like lightly slapping both of them like, break it up, boys, break it up. And eventually she grabs some pepper spray and sprays both of them. And uh, this brought me back to the Mad TV uh, Kenny Rogers uh, jackass sketch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the milk. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, Kenny Rogers dairy it. challenge. I had to pause it. I was close to tears. Like him fucking pouring the milk on his face. Oh. Yeah, he, he needed the milk. <laughs> he needed that milk, and he gets it all over his fucking face. Fucking but great. I love that her reaction when the t shirt comes off. The, the makeshift mask in the form of a t shirt loosely wrapped around his head, when that comes off, um, her reaction, the mother, is to suddenly look at Switch her son gears. and be like, "What did you do? What did you do?" And she starts. What did she start slapping? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> because she recognizes that he's the sheriff's deputy, and she just assumes her shithead teenage son did something wrong. This is disappointing because I know that this movie's not going to get the recognition it deserves, and yeah. it's it's really unfortunate that this is the time that it had to come out. I told my girlfriend I think she might like this because she doesn't like horror movies, but this isn't very scary. No. But um, dialogue, like really sharply written dialogue, is something that's really important for her to enjoy a movie, and this movie has it, and the characters are very well defined. I think she'd really enjoy it. So I might end up owning this at some point. I think it came out this month on Blu-ray. You need to to finish that Edgar Wright trilogy because I was rewatching The World's End because I'm like, yeah, she would definitely dig those. Yeah, uh, that's what I told myself too because I haven't. I still need to get around to finishing that Cornetto trilogy. But um, this is uh, this is where things get dark for a minute. Where uh, he comes back to the hospital, and 
we notice it he doesn't notice it but he comes back to his daughter in bed and we see that robert forrester's bed is empty and he comes up to his daughter and he like sits down and she's like where have you been and he's like and she's like dad and he's like what do you mean no dad as in your dad yeah it's uh it's really good because it's kind of funny at first because he sits down and his eyes are all bloodshot from getting pepper sprayed and the way she kind of reacts to, like she's kind of mad at him almost like she's just like dad and you notice in the back like i didn't even notice it at first and then i noticed like oh the bed it's really like like it was so subtle because they don't even like you just see the two of them in bed together at first like they're they're bed uh, sitting or laying side by side and they don't really talk they don't talk to each other they don't have a scene where they communicate and then you just like next time she's in there he's gone like man that was it was really creative it was really good it was very creative and unfortunately very genuine Mm -hmm. because sometimes that is how death happens it just happens and there's no like there's no ceremony there's no like big reveal or big moment it just kind of happens and that's exactly what that's exactly how they handled it Um, because like you said it's very easy to to miss the fact that there's no one in the bed next to her and the only thing we got like you said it's just a it's just a visual of of his daughter and his dad next to each other robert forster is unconscious for that scene Mm -hmm. like there is no dialogue we just see that he's in the hospital um but that's that again two million dollar indie movie you can do stuff like that you can bank on your audience having the intelligence to just get what like get all the cues you're trying to hand them and trust them to understand and you know i thought it was very skillfully handled it was uh, um, which leads to John getting shit faced twenty four seven for like a month. He is <laughs> off the wagon. Uh, this is where we have him hitting the jewel. Just I think he's in the middle of the police station, just like hammered drunk, smoking the jewel. And the the lady that he had call the ambulance for his father, like like I need you to call help for my father. She's just like, hey John, is that your car parked in the middle of the street out there? <laughs> She's like, yeah. You want me to move it or whatever? She, he's like, I probably shouldn't move it. She's like, no. You probably shouldn't move it. Like, do you want me to move it for you? Like, just really nice. Like, she's really understanding and understanding he's going through a tough time. Yeah, I mean, he does mention, like, I keep coming into work and expecting my dad to be here, and he's not. And you can tell he's an emotional wreck. But, you know, the comedic timing of of this exchange, by the way, he's laying on the floor in the police station, like, leaning up against the desk, and she's looking down on him. And just somewhere in between the dialogue exchange, he's like, It's the only time it happens in the movie, but it's really fucking funny. I wanna, and I want to write him um, like a fan letter. I like, just like, hey, we watched this movie, and I don't know how many people are gonna watch it, but you did such a good job. Hey, this is a small enough movie that you know maybe we ought to actually do that because mm. uh, you know Brad on the Cinema Speak podcast. Um, I think the uh, uh, that Becky movie, uh, Kevin James is oh, a neo Nazi. Yeah, uh, he actually got a little bit of a nod from the director of that film. No kidding. Um, saying like thanks for reviewing my product uh, so maybe we should do that because you know we clearly have really enjoyed this film I and, yeah it's you know, pra- it's one of those things that you know appreciation sometimes sometimes it's not as sometimes it is taken for granted where you just assume that oh they know they did good it's like you know maybe they don't know that yeah. <laughs> let them know um Maybe we should but, shoot the episode. I mean, some of the reviews I've been reading for this have not been glowing, to be honest. You should send them, send them the episode. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, this is a whole montage, basically, of just him 
being shit housed constantly, and uh, I love that he tries to go back to AA and they won't let oh, him in. Oh man, getting kicked. There's a running gag. There's a running gag in this movie of a character named Ricky, who, as far as I know, only appears on screen once, um, and it's when uh, the first killing has occurred and they're headed into the police station. Ricky's like trying to pump in for information or something. You can tell they have kind of a, a rough relationship with each other. Yeah. They've probably seen each other at a lot of these meetings, and they just, they just, you know, there's always that guy who just yeah. rubs you the wrong way, and Ricky is that guy. There, I mean, you're um, in an AA meeting. I feel like there's there's probably one person that's just, like, just abrasive and combative. Like, that's just their, in their nature, and they're not they're not working the steps very well. It's, it's tough for them. I mean, by its very nature, everyone in the room is going through some shit. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it stands to reason there's going to be someone who's a little bit prickly and maybe targets you. But um, I love this s- subtle bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. But they're they're ushering him out the door, and he's just kind of John is just kind of shit talking everyone in the room. But the way that the camera is oriented, we only see him and the person kind of pushing him out the door. And again, two million dollars. This is a way to save money. Uh, you use sound. To render the effect of a packed room, um, when in actuality it was probably just the film crew and two guys on camera. Um, but I love that he shit talks one of them. I think Dean is the guy's name, and you just hear a chair push out like that distinctive <laughs> noise. And then I love what Jim Cummings does here. Like you don't see Dean. The camera never turns away, but his eye line just kind of trends <laughs> upward in such a way as to suggest that Dean is a big, big dude, dude. <laughs> and there's just a pause and he's like yeah i'm gonna get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> like, fuck you guys i'm out of here and it's like he read the room and he knew you know i don't think i can take dean <laughs> i should probably leave <laughs> uh we get i think the dude uh the dude in the camper ends up ODing or something like he popped like his he just kind of like uh plops out of the uh the camper like kind of keels over doing too many drugs uh, but we get John back in the police station, who's not even hiding his alcoholism now. Like he's just straight up flasking it. Uh, just oh yeah, he he's he's over by the coffee pot, and I, the ratio of coffee to flask fluid it's like, is it's like one to one, man. It's like Don, <laughs> there's an awesome scene uh, in Mad Men just to put put in perspective how much of a drunk Don Draper is. Uh, they have his daughter, they're teaching their daughter to make cocktails, and uh, she's making him a screwdriver, and it's like Bad Santa, where she just like pours this thing up with vodka, like a, a highball glass full of vodka, and then just drizzles a little bit of orange juice on it, and he takes a sip, doesn't even like, not even like a poof, or like, oh man, that's really strong. No, perfect, baby. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> yeah, he is like, boom, 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 boom. yeah, it's mostly liquor. Um, but before we move on, I just wanted to draw attention to one brief exchange between his daughter and him. Uh, so right before the uh, the guy that's on all the drugs in the trailer uh, apparently ODs mm-hmm. and dies, um, right before that, uh, he kind of like reaches his limit. Like he, he hits rock bottom, essentially. And this is where oh, he's yeah. smoking the... Uh, this is where she finds him like on the floor in the living room this and he has tough, some yeah. sort of shit on his on his shirt and she's like what is that and he tells this long story a rambling story because drunk um that he she says did you get in a car crash he's like no 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 i I, like my 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 my, my lights they they hit a light pole and and then i i ran into the light pole and my car got wrecked and this is (laughs) from the airbag she's like you just said you weren't in a car crash but um, things intensify though because we see her like literally have to drag him mm. up the stairs, 
And what really tore me up was uh, she gets him in bed, and he's still trying to drink, by the way. I think she gave him a bottle of water, mm. uh, which is smart. Yeah. Um, and he starts, like, sobbing like a child and rambling about how he let his dad down. How he said, I said I was going to catch this killer, and I didn't. And the last thing I said to him was a lie. And I feel, I, I feel really bad about that. And she's standing in the doorway, and she just keeps... She's like sobbing, and she keeps shouting at him, "Just go to bed." Yeah, it was just, yeah, it it tore me up really bad because I was like, oh. I, I hate when kids are in, in distress in particular, but this kind of distress where it's like, you, you no nobody should see their their parent like that. No. It's just awful, um, and yeah, just the repetition of her like, she just wants him to stop because she like she can't see this i can't see this man yeah. i can't be seeing this man yeah. <laughs> this is gonna and leave some lasting damage exactly and and he just won't do it and he won't stop verbalizing his feelings so she's she's exposed to all this and it's like man that's gonna leave a mark yeah but yeah it was just a really again pretty weighty scene for a mostly funny movie um but then we go to the coroner's office and we get an exposition dump that um it's it I'm calling it an exposition dump, but it's actually done very well. Um, but this is where we learn that the person in the trailer was found, and everybody is convinced that this was the killer because mm-hmm. they fit the physical profile. He's like six foot five and well muscled, has a fucking wolf tattoo. Um, by the way, has a dead body burnt in his yard. <laughs> he's jacked more than the uh, Predator movie. Like he's just he's stacked. Yeah. Yeah, and they they even say like he thought he was Wolverine or something, and um, oh, yeah, like a weird knife collection. Yeah, and there's a funny little exchange here where uh, John accuses the coroner of being the person who threw the beer bottle earlier in the film. Yeah, and it's funny because I don't understand where that came from, and yet the coroner's reaction suggests that he it's was. true because <laughs> he's like, no, no, I didn't. They were in the <laughs> middle of nowhere too. That's what yeah. threw me off. I'm like, how the fuck would you? Know? I'm like. If you're going to find the person that threw the beer bottle, I'm like, look for the truck or the house that's nearby because who else could it be? I mean, they might have been on a, on a, oh God, snow, a snowmobile or something. But yeah, I, it was, the beer throwing scene was very strange. It was a funny beat because it just, it comes out of nowhere, but I, I thought it was a little weird. It's one of like two jump scares in the whole movie mm-hmm. and it, it was kind of effective. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched this one with headphones. Uh, you'll be proud of me. I think um, it's very important. I did the same thing. Yeah, I, I did it because my upstairs neighbors would not shut, <laughs> shut the, the fuck, fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was raining pretty hard last night. But um, it came in handy for moments like that. But uh, following this, uh, John, uh, his mission is now to return all the evidence because I guess they're closing this case um, he's in a, a hurry, too. Here's a good moment with uh, Officer Robson. She kind of yeah. puts, him, she puts <laughs> him in check a little bit. Like, she's very nice about it. Uh, She's stern with him, and she's like, hey, just be a good cop. Like, you you need to be a good cop about this. And this is him kind of trying to walk the line a little bit more. Yeah, and there's that moment where she puts her hand on his knee, and it, it's it's like a attention-getting moment where it's, it's not her, like, coming on to him. It's, it's her, like, saying, hey, I'm trying to talk to you seriously right now. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it works. Like, he's receptive to it. And there's that bit where he, she drops him off, and she's like, I really don't like you driving, but... Is, you know, you're technically in charge, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right now, the sheriff's seat is vacant because the sheriff passed away. But um, 
I like that it's really subtle, but as he's getting out of the truck, he, like, takes his flask or whatever and just, like, tosses throws it. it under the car. Yeah. And um, then we get, like, a montage of him returning all the evidence to everybody. And, and this is him, like, kind of pulling himself out of the shit, where it's he's kind of finding a little bit of redemption. He's getting back on the wagon, I guess. Um, and I think we're cross-cutting back and forth between him returning the evidence and back at the AA mm-hmm. meetings. He's doing a terrible job. Like, he's just not very sensitive about it. I'm like, he's just like, hey, I had some evidence from you, and I was just returning it now. I'm like, these, some of these people are, like, related to the people who have died or just know the people that have died. And he's just not, no finesse whatsoever. Yeah, um, I think half of it goes just fine. And then he gets there's spit the one, on. Yeah, the lady spits <laughs> on him. But <laughs> understandably so, that was the person who lost both, like, a daughter and, and a, a granddaughter. granddaughter. Yeah, it's like, Jesus, yeah. dude. Hey, we yeah, just yeah. Uh, just return this evidence that we got from you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man! You need, to, you need to do that while doing the the bane hands in your uh, yeah. in your tactical vest. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, we're just returning some evidence just here. Just got to get you to sign some forms. You know, not a big deal. We need to sign <laughs> this form. <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty funny. I like that his reaction. Like he is like clearly trying to you know mm-hmm. do things on an even keel but when he gets spit on he like motherfucker and he like he like throws he like throws all the shit at her doorstep and just takes off I'm like Dude. yeah you know if i was him that's probably how i would handle that too but um like i said we're cross-cutting between that and uh him at the aa meeting and there's a really poignant line here where he, he's i can't remember it verbatim but it's basically like when you're in the middle of a nervous breakdown, like the the one thing that's important to latch on to is like all the, I think he uses the word wonderful, like like wonderful people around you, like constantly asking, uh, are you okay? It's like that. That's like that's something you need to hold on to. Is that it's like, hmm, maybe that's both an indication that one, you're going through something, and two, people care about you, mm-hmm. and it's important to remind yourself of that fact. But yeah, this is like literally like a, a montage of him coming back to himself and you know, get it, getting back on the horse and trying to finish the ride. But um, this is where we uh, we get a weird little development that kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, it's not a detriment to the film, but it does feel kind of out of nowhere. Where uh, PJ, uh, the world according to Jimmy, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep calling him that. Uh, he re-enters the picture for just a moment, where he calls uh, Officer Robson not julie <laughs> he calls her and uh he's saying like I-, I know i was really terse with you guys last time i saw you um you left some shit here and she's like oh that that's all yours that's evidence from the case it doesn't matter anymore but uh, he calls her to tell her that he found something else that they uh quote unquote left at his place that his mom felt was important to bring to their attention and he said it's like some sort of uh, antiquated or antique uh taxidermy like threading needle of some sort and officer robson's reaction to this is is like a revelatory like (gasps) kind of moment and she hangs up on him and uh meanwhile uh john is headed to um i think the guy's name is canbury or canterbury one of those names um the owner of the local grocery store um, which by the way there's a running gag of all the uh uh, i don't know what they call them but it's like the magnetized lettering signs yeah um, the marquee, yeah, yeah, the marquee, yeah. They they keep changing the marquee throughout the movie, and at one point, Julia has to Officer Robson mm. uh, has to tell the like the stock boy, like, could you like 
not advertise werewolf and killing in our small town yeah. <laughs> and they're like i got it i got to check with the guy in the back man he he runs the show <laughs> i like this exchange it was nice yeah it was funny and that guy shows up sev- the stock boy shows up several times in the movie to say really stupid fucking things yeah. <laughs> like i like that uh there's like a brief moment where he's interviewed by the the television news and he says something about like i uh, Basically, he's being asked about the murders, and his only in- input is about, like, oh, man, I don't want to pay any more taxes in this town. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not paying my taxes like, anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you, you guys got to figure this shit out. I'm, I don't want any more taxes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we head to the local taxidermist place. Um, I think the guy's name is Canbury. And uh, we have a scene that, for me, both in color palette and tone, reminded me quite a bit of uh, Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Wherein uh, Jake Gyllenhaal goes to visit the fellow with the the old uh, movie poster. You're, or you're, if you say that movie one more time, I'm gonna watch it today because it's already sorry, been on my Kyle. mind. And like all I can think about is how much I love watching that movie. It's so great. I'm sorry, like we brought it up so many times on the show, but Zodiac is that movie. Gosh. It's like if it's available to you, and you know you put it on, you're not gonna walk away from no, it. No, <laughs> good luck trying to walk away from it. Yeah, good luck trying to walk away from Zodiac. <laughs> uh, but it also reminded me a bit of the one of the last dialogue scenes in Prisoners. Yeah, I was gonna say this reminds me of Prisoners, not when you brought it up. Yeah, it has a curious tone about it, where it's like there's a threatening atmosphere about it, but you can't really place why exactly. And it's very skillfully conducted here. There's a weird jump cut. Um, I can't exactly describe what it is, but it's effective. Um, and anyway, it's this uh, Canbury fellow who has an unfortunate hairline. Oh, yeah, And it's bad. really, really, really curious um, uh, facial tics. Not tics, but just the way he... His body language is really off-putting. He reminds me of Tom... He reminded me of Tom Noonan a little bit. Uh, but yeah, dude, you gotta get... Oh, yeah. You, are you fucking kidding me? You gotta like, get... He has, a, he, has, he has the soft-spokenness. Yeah. He's got the height that we'll see yes. in a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, if you got a hair, if you got a hair hairline like this, man, you got to get in front of that, man. You just gotta, you gotta take a razor to it. Like again, I mean, we brought up Seinfeld before, like a band aid, <laughs> right off. <laughs> like really, you just got to get out in front of that yeah. and just do away Own it. with it. Yep. Just give up on, give up, <laughs> give just up, man. <laughs> just let it happen. Put on the sweatpants. Just let it happen. Um, but yeah, this whole dialogue exchange is really tense, and just this actor—I don't know the guy's name, unfortunately. His uh, the way he handles his body language and his face is really effective. It, yeah, like, there's some there's something like oddly sexual about it too. It where it like parts of it almost it kind of feels like he's I don't know it it's menacing, but at the same time it's like he's he's uh being too loud, I guess, with his face. Yeah. it's really off-putting. I, I was gonna say the 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 tone for this movie has been dark comedy with little pockets of like little tug at the heartstrings, uh, little intense moments. This the tone completely shifts, and I'm like, now it actually kind of feels like a horror movie. Like it felt genuine at the end. Yeah, um, at least and, during this scene. <laughs> yeah, and and like the lighting here has like an amber tone to it. There's a lot of heavy shadows, and um, the the way that fellow is like kind of pointing one shoulder to him the way he's just everything about it's really well composed and there's a lot of shots um just like flat establishing shots of the two of them sitting opposite each other um and the guy without even like without even really thinking twice about it offers to irish up uh, john's coffee 
Um, so maybe he knows him a little bit. Yeah. Um, just a little bit. Um, but eventually, uh, they, they're over the course of their chat, like you can tell there's something weird going on. Uh, he signs the evidence form and stuff. And then John excuses himself. And I, th- I think the line that, uh, that made him stick out to him was he asked about his wife and I know I remember in the interrogation because this character was interrogated at one point um, because he claimed to have seen the killer or something um, he he says can I get home to my wife or something like that and during this conversation he says oh I'm not married um, anyway John excuses himself and then does the much like uh, the movie we did last yeah, week say, inside, the, 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 the cops like, pregnant, wait, yeah. A, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> just a little detail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, it's a that's a Columbo trick. Actually, oh, really? it, it, just just one more just thing. One just more one more thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing. <laughs> but uh, he comes to the door, and it needs to be said: this character, Mister Canberry, wherever, um, he answers the door like all hunched over. And the, I think the reason they did the jump cut from the doorway to the kitchen was so they wouldn't show him standing. Uh, because John's like, could you, like, stand up, please? <laughs> and uh, It's fucking get creepy. This, it's fucking creepy. <laughs> uh, he stands up, and he continues to stand up for quite some yeah. time. Uh, he, he is a looming individual. Uh, one would even call him Lurch. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, this begins like a physical chase here where uh, the door gets slammed and John is trying to call for backup. Uh, he doesn't know that uh, Officer Robson's on his way uh, but he can't get anyone on the horn. Uh, so he he gives himself a little bit of a shoulder shrug and he jumps through the fucking window. <laughs> yeah, I about that. <laughs> and uh, he enters the house. He stalks around for a little bit and then he gets caught off guard and uh, he gets Michael Myered yeah. Michael myers against the wall. Um, he gets uh, he gets put in a position for a good old choke slam, but instead he gets stabbed in the gut yeah. uh, by this fella. And uh, his uh, acting when he's crawling around on the floor is pretty intense. It is, um, yeah. I was yeah, laughing at it. I don't think I was supposed to be laughing at it, but I like it, it. I'm not saying it was funny. It just him reacting like that. I kind of thought it was a little funny, personally. Well, I mean, it's. That's kind of the beauty of this performance is it kind of toes that line mm-hmm. so perfectly that it's like it doesn't matter you're reacting to it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, he's going for his revolver, which I believe uh, both his belt, his holster, and his uh, and his revolver all are his dad's. Um, and I forget what a uh, Christmas Carol is playing here, but I think it's the New Year's yeah, the song yeah. they play at New Year's. It's the New Year's. I song. can't remember what it's called. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what they say. Um, and he he retrieves his gun, uh, and then Mr. Canbury uh, jumps in front of him. And what is he wearing, Kyle? He's wearing a Chewbacca costume, basically. He's wearing he's wearing a werewolf costume, just without the uh, without the without the hat, without the without the uh, mask. And there's a full moon up above him, and he just lets out this really lame roar. So you're just like, oh, this guy's a fucking loser. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was intentional. But um, by the way, there's a there's a couple of uh, uh, really neat editing transitions in the movie that uh, I can't remember exactly where they're placed, except for the first instance. Um, it's a little cheap looking. The effect isn't perfect, but uh, it's a really it's fantastic in concept. Um, when the first killing occurs in the movie, um, there's a wolf 
footprint in the mud mm-hmm. and in the reflection on the puddle we see a full moon and then i think we transition to the actual full moon and then later on we get like a uh what a perspiration like watermark from a, a coffee mug or something mm-hmm. um and, and when the coffee mug is uh condensation brought down um condensation there you go um it uh it turns into a full moon so the shape matches mm-hmm. and there's a lot of neat little transitions like that this movie's very well edited mm-hmm. but um anyway final chase ensues and this uh new year's song is playing over the whole thing it's it's kind of a chaotic chase through the snowy woods and this guy is like you said wearing his gray chewbacca costume without the headpiece so he looks pretty fucking stupid right now yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah they rest they wrestle in the woods for a little bit and uh turning point occurs when some fireworks go off and everybody stops for just a moment because it's it's startling and uh, officer robson shows up and she shoots uh the wolfman in the arm i believe and he falls onto his back and it, uh, this is a callback to things that were told to john earlier in the film oh fuck. pj the world according uh to jimmy had told him hey uh officer john like when you find this guy instead of arresting him could you just shoot him in the face until you can see the ground through his head? Before we even get to Jimmy saying that, he says in the uh, in the uh, one of the meetings that they have, he's like, "We're gonna, I'm gonna catch this guy. I'm gonna fucking kill him. I mean, I bring mean, him to justice." <laughs> <laughs> so good, but yeah, and he, he yeah, dumps yeah. a clip in this guy's head, like to the point where I'm like, "I don't know if you can do that, dude." Like, uh, I mean, officer. Officer Julie's right over there watching it. <laughs> I think that might be excessive. But then again, he did get stabbed by this guy, so yes. this this guy did use lethal force on him. I mean, by all by all rights, you know, a stab directly in the center of the stomach. Yeah, that's an attempt at your life. Yes. And, but doesn't exactly warrant dumping the in- boom, 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 all boom. all six chambers into this fella's <laughs> fucking face. Like oh. Brad Pitt at the end of seven, just boom, boom, uh, boom, boom. but it's a uh, certainly very cathartic for everyone, including us, the audience, because yeah, yeah. But then we do like a little bit of a, a fake out here where we, I think we cut pretty much directly to his daughter yeah. moving into college and she's like unpacking her shit and then we hear a woman's voice and we see that it's officer robson uh checking to see like oh i'm just here to see if you're okay and we see that uh julia is now the sheriff yes. she has a hat and she has to cut out her own ponytail <laughs> they, yeah, they don't she, make him she, with the ponytail <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's she, clearly oh, she you know deserves it in the spot yeah and and she found her place and whatnot and um and then just as we're thinking like oh did she like adopt the daughter or something all of a sudden we hear john's voice mm-hmm. from off screen it's like oh no he's he's alive um and then yeah we get a weird exchange here where he's like yeah i, I left you some some things in your uh, in your dresser drawer for for protection she's she's like, like, oh, my oh my god, god. get out get out <laughs> <laughs> um and you you had mentioned um that I think this, the first shot we get in this room is uh, it's a stack of keys, and attached to it is the pepper spray. Bear mace. And I, think, I think it's a new one. I think it's I think it's a bigger one. Regardless, I think it's neat because it shows that like the thing that her dad gave her, she kept. Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe they've broken bread, or you know, maybe they've found a way to be okay with each other, yeah. at least to some extent. Um, but yeah, everybody's alive, and uh, <laughs> he left her some condoms and. We don't actually see what else he left in there, 
but she her reaction makes me think it's a gun probably <laughs> i mean he considering like how oblivious he is yeah i could definitely see it being a gun 100 percent. yeah yeah, that would be my guess, yeah. just based on everything that happened. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> you can't just give an 18-year-old girl a gun. Yeah, on a college campus. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Give a college freshman a fucking gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, uh, Julia and uh, John, they both leave together. Um, and the last line in the film is them walking down the stairs, exiting the college, and a couple of... Uh, young bucks uh, come up the stairs past him and they just they're just saying to themselves like oh man some some gymnasts moved into the freshman dorm across from us like fresh meat mm, and we just see john just stop 